Hello and welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins. It's great to have your company as we travel the Camino de Santiago together. The Camino is a series of pilgrimages across Europe and most pilgrims are aimed to arrive in the Spanish city of Santiago de Compostela, St. James, under a field of stars. The remains of Christ's Apostle James are beneath the majestic cathedral in the heart of the old city. If you're thinking of walking and are new to this podcast, listen to previous episodes to gain an insight into why people have walked, what it meant to them, and what they learned about themselves in the process of the Camino and beyond. Last week, I was sitting on the balcony of my brother's beautiful home on the Gold Coast here in Australia. My phone was buzzing and he said, what's all that? I said, they're messages from pilgrims who've downloaded my podcast overnight. One of the messages was from Ian in the UK, a quote from someone called Norman McEwen, who said, happiness is not so much in having as sharing. We make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. I've said here many times, pilgrims are carers and sharers, and I'm so grateful for your encouragement, support, and suggestions. Another message this week was from Tom Northenscold in the US, and he suggested I interview an American pilgrim, Angela Morelli Carpenter, who documented her Camino last year in a series of video posts. Angela's on the line from the US. Welcome, pilgrim. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, I want to get to your Camino in a moment, but first, do you remember where and when you first heard about the Camino? I sure do. Um, I am a a constant student of spiritual study, and I have a teacher who I have trained under for many, many years, and uh, her name is Sonia Choquette. And she did the Camino a couple of times, but the first time that she did it, um, I was with her shortly thereafter, and she told me about it. And I knew in that very moment in my heart, I was like, oh my gosh, I absolutely have to do this. But I thought that I would do it, you know, a lot later in life. So I I didn't really expect to do it this soon. (laughs) Um, But, you know, things happened. I just, I had it on my radar. I kind of thought I'd do it once my my youngest was graduated from high school. And, uh, well, I guess about a year and a half ago now, I just all of a sudden knew that it was time, that it was it was time for me to go. It was calling and so I started, you. It was. It was yeah. calling me. And it, it was calling me all the time. Like, ever since I heard about it, I just would dream of going. And, uh, and I just had a lot of things going on in my life. And, and all of a sudden, just knew. I, I, I literally just kind of sat there one day and went, oh, I guess I'm going to walk the Camino now. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're an intuitive guide. And spiritual mm-hmm. teacher. Just explain mm-hmm. to my listeners what that means. Well, I have um, very special gifts. Um, I communicate with spirit, with um, spirit guides, angels. Um, I'm also a medium, so I can communicate with people who have passed on. And I've had these gifts my entire life, um, but I didn't understand that I had them until probably my early 30s. Um, I just always thought, you know, that my my dead granny was was my angel, and she was talking to me and telling me things. And uh, I always relied on my my um, connection with God or the divine um, to guide me and and help me find answers that I needed in my life. But it wasn't until I was a bit older 
um, that I started to really pursue spiritual topics and became kind of insatiable in my desire to understand spiritual things. And that led me to um, learning more. And, and I mean, that's another rabbit hole to go down, but learning more about, um, about my own gifts and, and it's, they all kind of came upon me, (laughs) you know, as I was exploring. Um, and so now long story short, um, now I I'm very well trained with my gifts. I understand them very well. I can command them at will and I use them to help people to find the answers that they need in their lives, um, to give them direction um, not from my own opinion, but from the opinion of, of the divine or from their spirit guides or angels or loved ones that are trying to guide them from the other side. And uh, so I, I help people to kind of take the next step and um, get some direction and understanding and healing. Healing is a big part of it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to, to sort of digging a little bit deeper into all of that later on in the podcast. But being someone acutely aware of spirituality and intuition, mm-hmm. you must have been bursting with excitement in the lead up to walking the Camino. I was, and I was, um, I was kind of in awe of it all. You know, people would always ask me, why are you going? And I did have some things in my life that I was trying to sort out, but I still didn't really know why I was going. I just knew that I needed to go. Um, so that alone was really exciting because... You know, I had no agenda. I had Mm. no um, expectations of what I was going to get from it. I knew that it would be big, and I knew that it was necessary. Um, But I'm not a hiker. You know, I'm not a a terribly physical person. Um, I did train, uh, but I managed to give myself a stress fracture during my training in my right foot. (laughs) So I lost a couple of months of training. Yeah. I was just a rookie. You know, I made a lot of rookie mistakes and, and, uh, ended up um, having to pay for that. But but I learned a lot in that process. I learned a lot about, about hiking, about my body, about what to do and what not to do. And I also learned a lot about um, slowing down. You know, in my training, I was um, a woman on a mission. And after I had the injury, uh, I really had to um, think of the process differently and allow my body to what um, it could do um, and not get so hard. And I think that that was such a huge blessing to learn before I was on the Camino rather than, you know, charging into the full steam head. So let's talk about the Camino itself. Where did you begin and how long did it take you? Yeah, so I began in Saint-Jean, um, Pierre-de-Port, at the base of the Pyrenees Mountains on the French side. Um, and it took me 36 days if I count, you know, my little bit of rest days and so on, Um, 36 days from one end to the other. So you mentioned that you had done some training, um, some hiking before you left. Did did Mm -hmm. you have to get yourself into shape spiritually as well? Um, You know, for me, it might be a little bit different than some people because I'm constantly in a a state of attending to my spiritual um, practice. Um, So... Maybe not, but actually, I met with my spiritual teacher, Sonia. Um, she lives in Paris now, and I met with her the day before I headed for Saint-Jean. And something that she said to me was invaluable. She said, don't try to make things happen. Don't try to have spiritual experiences. 
Um, and this was huge because I'm someone that kind of walks around always looking for that connection, you know, wanting to meditate, wanting to just be in um, connection with with the divine. And and when she told me that, I kind of let that go. And I'm so glad that she said that because it allowed me to really sink into being present, to being grounded in my body, to being um, just there in the reality of what the Camino was and how I was feeling and what was going on. I wasn't you know, in, in the in the spiritual community, we sometimes say that people try to spiritualize their way out of things, <laughs> you know, yeah. try to smooth over, you know, difficult situations or anything by leaning on your spiritual practice. And yeah, that can be helpful, but it also can be just a, a big avoidance, you know. Um, and I think that those words that she said to me allowed me to stop trying to make things into a spiritual moment and just rather allow them to be what they were. And I gained so much from just being present and not trying to make it something else. Um, I actually think that if she hadn't said that, I, I probably would have tried to, you know, float on the Camino versus actually be there. <laughs> yeah, that's really good so. <laughs> advice. Really good advice. Yeah. Yes, slow down and just live in the now experience the now. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And that's something on the Camino being in the now, I think is one of the greatest gifts. It's something that is so hard to do in daily life when Mm. we are constantly pulled into the future or the past. That is so true. And the Camino is, yeah, it's all about that moment. Yeah. That moment. So tell us about one of those moments. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. Your first, your first day on the trail. What Mm. did, how did you go? What did you make of it? I was really anxious. Um, I'm not a terribly anxious person, so I was surprised by that. Uh, I think that I just was excited and not knowing what I was getting into and all the stories I'd heard about crossing the Pyrenees. So I was unusually anxious. And I remember that it was the hardest physical thing I have ever done, short of having children. Um, Going over the Pyrenees, the steepness, the terrain, um, it was cold, it was foggy, it was beautiful. Um, But I remember thinking, you know, just keep going. You can do this. You're going to make it. Um, I had a hot spot on my foot, it seemed like within a few hours. And I had been walking in the same hiking boots at home you know, six to 10 miles at a time frequently and never had a problem. <laughs> and, and, and these were, were different boots than the ones that I had had the stress fracture in. So I remember when I got that hot spot thinking, oh my gosh, already? I'm already having problems. But the way that your feet move when you're hiking uphill continuously and they're gripping and pulling with each step is so different than you know, the train that I had been hiking at home. So I think I was just in awe that I was actually there, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) you know, looking around and seeing, you know, I had wanted the mist and the fog like I had seen in in some people's videos and pictures online and I had it and I was mesmerized by it. It, it, To be honest, it was all very surreal. Probably the only thing that kept me um, kind of, down to earth about the whole thing was how hard it was physically um, for me to do that. I definitely 
was not conditioned enough. I don't even know that you can condition enough <laughs> to yeah, walk but, over the Pyrenees. No, that's right. It's pretty full on introduction <laughs> to the whole thing, isn't it? Although it is. you do find yourself at the end of that first day thinking, well, if I can do that, I can do anything. Absolutely. Yeah, and yeah. that was such an accomplishment. And when I got to my destination, it was full. Um, and I had to go the extra four kilometers. And, and even then, you know, being so tired and pushing myself, um, it, was, it was a huge moment for me to think, wow, I just did that. Yeah. A few days later, you wrote, several people have told me lately that you cannot train for the Camino, that the Camino trains you. Now you've had some time to reflect. Is that right, do you think? Yeah, I, I still think it is right because um, when I do it again, I will train. Um, but there's just such an intensity and, and, and perhaps, you know, everyone on the Camino is going to do a different, a different uh, distance, mm. a different destination. Mm. But nevertheless, um, there's not very many people that spend their time walking, you know, 30 kilometers at a time. Um, so I think that the Camino initiates you and then you start to relax into its pace. Hmm. That's right. Spiritually as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Because, because go ahead. No, I was going to say, because a few days later you said, I'm starting to feel the need to go within. Yeah, and, and you were starting to find your rhythm, starting to find mm-hmm. the connection. Would that be fair to say yeah. that that's what prompted that thought? Absolutely. The, the first few days of the Camino were so physical and kind of such a shock um, to my body, you know, how hard it was to push through that I was, I was surprised how um, unable I was to think. You know, I, all I could focus on was putting one foot in front of the other and watching for the rocks and the uneven terrain and, and so on. And I was so in my body and so, um, just planted, you know, with each footstep that it was, it was kind of hard to think about anything else. And, and there were times that I would think, you know, wow, how can this be a spiritual experience when you're so focused on the physical aspects of it? But after time I did start to relax and I did start to feel, the desire to go more, more inside of myself and check in with my emotions, with my heart, um, with spirit, um, and and also was craving to connect more with with my surroundings. And I don't know if this makes sense, but just wanting to connect with nature on a different level, not not um, that level where you start to feel like you're part of it, um, rather than you know, implanted into the scenery. Um, It's going to a place where I started to feel more at one with my surroundings, um, feeling more aspects of myself. Fantastic answer. Oh, that's wonderful. Let's fast forward a couple of weeks. It's day 21. And you wrote, my hardest day yet mentally, I could not make my body do what I wanted it to do. And all my resources and tricks didn't help. What resources and tricks? Oh, I, you know, that was such a frustrating day. The day before um, was an extremely hard day for me. Um, it was very hot uh, and I was very tired, just worn out. I think the distance had just been taking its toll. And I had run out of water. Um, and that was my mistake because I hadn't checked. 
And I, I kind of just foolishly thought I, I was good to go. And I didn't want to ask any of my peers that I was walking with that I met along the Camino for water because I didn't want to take anything from them. And in hindsight, I should have. I, I think I was actually in a really bad way by the end. But that day was so hard. And I had to summon strength from places that I didn't know I had. Um, but I did. And I, and I kept saying to myself, um, you can do it. You're amazing. You're doing this. You're on the Camino. You've already walked, you know, 20 days and look at you go and you cross the Pyrenees. And, you know, I had all of this like bolstering self-talk and I had to do it over and over and over again. You know, five minutes later, I'd, I'd feel like I weighed 500 pounds again and I wanted to lay down in the dirt and wait for a car to come and get me. <laughs> and I'd start over but I did it and I made it to the end, um, to, to our destination. What happened the next day was that I had not recovered. When I woke up that morning, um, I felt like I needed another 12 hours before I could start walking again. I was depleted from the moment I got out of the bed. And when I started walking, I had, I had nothing, no energy. Um, every footstep felt like like it was just so heavy. And I think because I became so dehydrated and exhausted the day before, my body just had not recuperated. You know, I'd been drinking yeah. and drinking and drinking, but it just wasn't enough. And so that next day, um, I fell behind from the very beginning and my Camino friends were waiting for me numerous times. And I told them, I'm really sorry. I just can't keep up. And, and, I had never had this experience. You know, I could push through things before. And on that day, I could not push through. And there was a point at which I, I came across a picnic table on the Camino and I sat down and I thought to myself, I have to call a taxi. I, I just have to. I can't walk. I'm so exhausted. But then what prevented me from doing that was I realized that I wouldn't know how to tell them where I was. I didn't know, you know, yeah, yeah. what the area was called. I was in the middle of nowhere. I don't know Spanish, you know, aside from a few words. And I had no idea, you know, how, how to get help. And so I forced myself to keep going. And I think I made it about 17 kilometers that day. But when I got to the first town or, or the town that was next beyond that point, um, I got to a bar and I sat down in my in a chair and my my Camino friend Stephen from Ireland was there, and I said I'm not moving, and that was it. <laughs> I I just looked at him and said No, I'm not moving. <laughs> I can't. And I knew that I would have to get up from the chair to find a bed in an albergue. But aside from that, I I had kind of lost my. Um, you know, before it was important to me to keep up and to be with my Camino friends and to, um, you know, push myself so that I could, you know, kind of meet perhaps other people's expectations of me and, and yeah. that wanted me to be there. Yeah. But in that moment, none of that mattered. <laughs> I was not moving <laughs> anymore. <laughs> so, well, as I said, that's day 21. That's three weeks worth of walking. That's a long time of walking 30 Ks yeah. a day. That, yeah, it really it is. is. It really is a big, a big mm -hmm. ask. But just when you mentioned there the albergue and, and arriving in that town, had you booked ahead from the United States? Were you what I sometimes call a spreadsheet pilgrim? 
No. So I actually didn't do any of that from the United States. And that was a goal of mine because I am a planner. Right. Um, I've always been a planner. I'm very organized. And that was very out of my comfort zone not to know where I was staying. And so I hadn't booked anything except for my night in Saint-Jean. And so when I got to Roncevaux on the other side of the Pyrenees and found the albergue there to be full and I was forced to walk another four kilometers, I knew that that kind of thing could happen from what I had learned. But when I got to my destination after the additional four kilometers, I went to bed at 8 p.m. because I was so tired. And I woke up at 10 p.m. full of anxiety about having to do this over and over about the beds being full. (laughs) And I couldn't get back to sleep. So I got onto booking.com and booked out 10 nights and it ended up being just kind of a big joke in my life because <laughs> I recognized that I wasn't willing to trust. You know, I wasn't willing to trust God and to trust that the Camino would provide. And in the end, I had to cancel almost every one of those beds because the timing that I predicted for them, you know, how far I thought I would walk and which town I would end up in didn't work. And so I had booked all these things and ended up not being able to use them, which was a little bit comical. So some of them I lost money. Some of them I was able to cancel with no fees. But after that, I tried really hard to just trust that I would find what I needed. And sometimes I would book, you know, that morning or midday, you know, having a pretty good idea of where I was going to end up. Or my friends would want to book. And so we'd, you know, get on Wi-Fi and and choose something for down the road, but very, very rarely did we book um, more than the same day. And you know what? It was fine. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I always found somewhere to sleep. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's you mentioned there your Camino friends, and you wrote toward the end of the of the journey. You wrote, and I'll quote you here. I'm so grateful for the people I have met here that have made my journey so much more fun and meaningful. They have made me laugh and gotten me through some very tough days. My experience wouldn't have been the same without them. The Camino has been so many things to me, and I am so grateful for all I have gained and all that will continue to impact me in the days, weeks, and years to come. The Camino provides is a common saying here, and it is true in more ways than one. We are all leaving, changed somehow, and certainly for the better. So my question is, after reading that, what's the best thing about being a pilgrim? Oh, wow. The best thing. I would have to say that when you are on the Camino, and it takes some time, but you start to leave behind your worries about home, You know, in the beginning, I wanted to check on things and check on my kids and was thinking about my clients and email and, you know, everything else that that we do. And you start to leave that behind. And I really believe that as you walk, you're letting go of layers and layers and layers that you've accumulated throughout your lifetime. And everything starts to be stripped away. And I think that's the best thing about being a pilgrim is watching, you know, witnessing that process within yourself as you walk closer and closer to who you really are. And in life, we're so distracted by our responsibilities and our roles and the people that we, you know, have to 
be, you know, to, fi- to f- fulfill different situations and circumstances. And on the Camino, you don't have to be any of that. And in fact, you, you kind of let it go, as I said, as you walk. And so that's what I loved about being a pilgrim. And I didn't really even see it until the end. But in hindsight, I could see it really clearly. Um, how I was able to feel more and more free and more free to be who I really was. Um, there's no expectations of you on the Camino. Um, you know, people aren't really interested in who you are at home. They're interested in who you are right there in that moment. And uh, that was a concept that was really new to me. Um, I found myself in the beginning trying to uh, connect with people by telling them who I was at home. And after maybe a week, I started to realize that none of that really mattered. They didn't, it wasn't that they didn't care, but they, they just wanted to know, you know, who I was today. Um, it was such a new way of looking at, at, at people. I felt like I was looking more at their soul than their persona. That's Great answer again. You know, often in the videos I've watched, you're you're clearly doing it tough, you know, walking, carrying your backpack, and then you'll break out in this broad smile in the video, (laughs) right? And and so what I saw that, when I saw that, each time I saw it, I would think, oh, it's so worth the effort, Angela. (laughs) It is. It is, isn't it? It is. It's so worth it. But it's not. You know, I. But the point I wanted to make, and I'm sorry to keep interrupting you, but that's okay. But no. But the, you are doing it tough. You break out in a broad smile, and it's worth the effort. And if anybody's listening, thinking, oh, I couldn't do that. It's too difficult for me. I, I couldn't walk 30 k's a day. But if you do put in the effort and you do achieve it, it's a great achievement, isn't it? It's worth that effort. It's incredible. It's it's not only incredible. Um, just physically what we can do, um, but mentally how, for me, how my opinion about the physical activity changed over time. Mm. You know, I, I've been one that kind of saw physical activity as a grind, you know, and, and I was going to do it because I knew there was a benefit from it, but it's never been something that, um, <laughs> that I really loved. And, it was amazing as the days went on how much I loved the walking, even with the pain, even with the struggle. Um, it was so worth it. And, and in fact, you know, aside from being a mother, I think the, the best thing I've ever done in my life, um, so worth it. And I spoke to so many people that felt the same way. I remember being a week in and being in a considerable amount of pain and, and thinking to myself, you know, I'm going to finish this thing, but I, there's no way I would ever do this again. (laughs) And then, (laughs) I mean, I very adamantly thought that I thought people are crazy. You know, I, I mean, I met people that were doing it fourth, fifth, 10th, 11th times and, and thought they were insane. And, and, you know, three weeks, four weeks in, and, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I can't wait to come back. Um, I, it doesn't even matter the, the amount of suffering that you have is so worth it. 
the experience that you have on the Camino, I think, is something that you can't find anywhere else in the world. Um, it's such a unique recipe of of ingredients with the the people and the the scenery and the the energy, the vibe that's there, um, and just the ability to 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 walk and learn and grow and let go is is so incredible. I would say to anyone that has any fears about it, um, trust that it's going to be um, one of the best decisions of your life. I've talked here on the podcast before about thin spaces, places in the world where you feel just moments from the spiritual world. Did you find thin spaces on the Camino, Angela? Yeah, I really did. Um, I found so many different energies on the Camino, but, you know, they say the Camino follows the Milky Way. And I remember one morning waking up really early to try to beat the heat. And I was able to see the Milky Way as I walked. And it was, for me, just such a magical moment to think about the number of um, people that have walked under the stars. And I think that... um, you know, vibration, frequency is, is a real thing. I mean, everything is made up of energy. And the more attention that something is given, um, it, it builds and builds this, this, um, this frequency that when other people now encounter it, you know, it's going to help to transport them more quickly to maybe realizations or aha moments. And you definitely feel that on the Camino. You know that you're somewhere special. Um, and there were times that, that for me as an intuitive, that my intuition was just kind of on fire. Um, and I felt, you know, and my, my Camino friends had to, (laughs) had to endure this at times because, you know, information would just start coming. And I've always believed that if, if God shares something with me, then it's meant to be shared with the person I'm, I'm reading for. So, so yeah, it it definitely felt thin. I, I would say I think the word I use is like a veil. The veil was very thin between um, our third dimensional world and the spiritual realms. Yeah. I saw a quote on your Facebook page. I loved it. You said, those things you desire but are too scared to reach for, that's your spirit trying to guide your soul. Yeah. How, How much is your spirit guiding your soul on the Camino? Well, I, I think the question, um, in order to answer that, you have to ask how open you are to guidance. Sure, you know, our, sure. I think our spirit is, is always trying to guide us. You know, I look at your spirit as the perfect divine part of you that was created by God. And your spirit is not something that you can improve upon. It's, it's, it's something you can only improve your awareness of. And your soul is that part of you that's incarnating and growing and having these experiences and trying to become more in alignment with your spirit. And so I look at the spirit as the teacher and the soul as the student. And, you know, we're all students. Um, and that inner voice, that, that uh, inner being, our spirit, that perfect part of us is always trying to tell us something. Um, so when you're on the Camino, I think that the incredible opportunity is that you have more quiet. You have more time where you are not distracted by all the things that distract us in daily life. And when you're not distracted, you're more, you're more likely to tune in 
and you're more likely to kind of hear that guidance and 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 feel that tug of your spirit, you know, wanting wanting you to go in some direction or or understand something at a deeper level or have, you know, a breakthrough as you now view something differently. Um, and boy, there's a lot of opportunity for that on the yeah, Camino. Because, I'll say, yeah. <laughs> you know, where else do you get to, to spend that kind of time with yourself um, and have that kind of opportunity? How, how easy is it to steer your soul in a, in a, in a different direction if you feel the need. If you think to yourself, now we've said here, your, your quote was your spirit trying to guide your soul. Is there sometimes, yeah. is there sometimes not, not conflict is not the right word, but a difficulty. Resistance. A resistance yeah. is resistance. the word, yeah. Yeah. So how, how know, can I change that? Yeah, so fear. Fear is the major resistance for people. Um you know, we're all afraid of what we don't know, or we're afraid of some consequence that we think is going to happen. You know, so so perhaps your your spirit is guiding you to change jobs, or to leave a partner, or to um, do something new, or take on a new venture. Um, usually, fear is the number one thing that's in the way. And what I've discovered in my life is that fear does not necessarily go away. A lot of people keep waiting to not be afraid. And it's like the fear doesn't go. It's a, it's a process of learning to step through the fear and move forward with what your spirit is calling you to do despite the fear. And one of, I mean, there's many tools, but one of, one of my most favorite tools is to put my hand on my heart and say, if I wasn't afraid, I would, and then fill in the blank. Because if you can remove fear from the equation— then you allow your heart to speak and you're, you, can, you can have a better idea of what it is that you really want when fear is not an obstacle. Because so many people can relate to that. They can say, if I wasn't afraid, well, I would start that business or I would leave that partner or I would, um, you know, end that relationship or I would speak up for myself or, you know, whatever it is. If you can remove fear, you know what it is. But the fear... Um, there's a process of, of learning to step through the fear. And when you do, usually you can turn around and see that that mountain that you think you just climbed is actually just a bump. You know, the fear becomes something so much smaller once you step through it. So I try to work with people on moving forward anyway, despite the fear, um, rather than trying to rationalize your way out of the fear. On your last day, you wrote, 800 kilometres, blisters, swollen feet, tendinitis, pain, aches, sweat, tears, friends, dreams, revelations, prayers, albergues, bunk beds, pilgrim life, backpack, more pain, more sweat, and day after day after day (laughs) after day of walking. I did it, everyone. I completed the Camino de Santiago. Tell us about arriving at the cathedral in Santiago oh, de Compostela. I don't think I'll ever forget that moment. It, it, it was just such an incredible accomplishment. You know, for me, um, I learned so much about myself on the Camino, and it was such a physical journey for me. And getting there, um, in some ways, I couldn't believe I did it. You know, I, I just, I felt so, so proud. 
And it was just this elation. Um, I was so grateful for my body. Um, I was so grateful for my perseverance um, that I, you know, someone who's not terribly in shape and, and not, you know, an athlete or, you know, that I did it, that I think I had a lot of people really worried about me, (laughs) you know, if I I actually could do it. And, uh, so I was so proud of the physical aspect, but then also one of my greatest lessons on the Camino was learning to allow more joy in my life. And as I walked, I realized how much I focused on the responsibilities that I had. Um, and this, this was actually an enormous, um, enormous thing for me. And so as I got into Santiago, I, I just in the last few days, I felt like I was finally starting to understand this lesson that was being given to me. And I was on such a high about the thought of having more joy in my life and not worrying about the responsibility portion so much. And so I felt um, just this unbelievable gratitude um, for the process mm. and for everything that I got from it. Um, I felt so joyful. I just couldn't stop crying. Yeah. Um, it, it, was, it was such a, an epiphany kind of for me. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you said in the, one of the posts, you tried to drown yourself in wine. <laughs> <laughs> that was about leaving. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I didn't want to go. I was really sad. Um, I didn't want to leave my, my new friends. Um, I felt like I was learning so much so fast at the end of my Camino that I didn't want that journey to stop. And I loved it. Uh, I loved every bit of it. And leaving was, was really, really difficult. Um, and some of my Camino friends had gone on to Finisterre, and I wasn't able to because of my travel schedule. And I had one friend left behind, and so we decided to go and try to get drunk. <laughs> So that we wouldn't have to think about how sad we were. It didn't really work, by the way. Because, no, you know, the day after, you, sh- you shot another video and you said, I feel like I'm in a cage, but I, I want to keep moving. I think yes. you were part of, that was part of your journey home. But So, so tell us yes. about the days after the Camino, because they can often be the most difficult. Yeah, you know, I consider myself to be a pretty aware and thorough researcher in person, but somehow I did not realize that the, the coming home portion would be so hard. Um, coming home physically was really hard just having to sit on a train and an, and an airplane because I felt, I did feel like a caged animal. My body just wanted to move, move, yeah, move, yeah. move. I having to sit still for so much time after walking for so long was, was unbelievably difficult. But then coming home, um, you know, I, I, I wanted the silence. I wanted the solitude. I wanted nature. Um, and within moments of arriving at the airport and, you know, it, it felt to me like I had to put back on so many hats and take back on so many roles within minutes. And it wasn't that I didn't want those roles, um, but boy, was it hard to go from one extreme to the other. And I had to do things to kind of protect myself and take care of myself during those first couple of weeks. I needed a lot more silence. Um, I would sit on the couch without the TV on. Um, 
I needed things to go slower and uh, to give myself time to integrate back into life because I do have, you know, quite a busy life. And I needed a lot of time to really think about um, what I wanted to change in my life because when I ended the Camino, I felt like I was witnessing a version of myself that I, I, had, I had not really seen before. And it was, it was me beneath all of my roles that I play. Yeah. I felt, you know, and I want to call this my, the real me, right? And so coming home, um, it was immediately apparent what things were not clicking with the real me. You know, that I had a number of things in my life that, um, that kind of felt like sandpaper on my skin. And uh, that was such an interesting process because they were a lot of things that I really didn't, you know, expect. Um, and so trying to reinsert myself into life, I, I tried to give myself a lot of time. I'm still giving myself time, to be honest. It's been almost three months since the end of my Camino, and I'm still giving myself time to kind of rearrange my priorities and, and my activities and the way that I live my life to, to align much better with the real me. And I think that's um, a hard process, and it, it takes um, bravery um, and courage um, and love, a lot of self-love. Uh, but I, but it's amazing too. It's it's such an incredible thing to think that wow, I can reorganize my life so that it's so much better, and I'm so grateful for that. Yeah, because there's a, a video of you at home once you'd arrived home, and you say there's something bigger there. There's something bigger for us to realize. We are so much more than the roles we have chosen to play. Yes. I mean, there's an opportunity on the Camino when you get in touch with the real you to actually be more connected to the divine and to your divine essence than ever before. And I think that that's probably a goal of all of our souls is to become more connected to our divine nature. And when you come back, being more aligned with your spirit and realize all the ways that keep you unaligned with your spirit, it's this incredible opportunity for growth. And something that I've noticed about pilgrims is this insatiable desire to keep going back to the Camino. But something that I've also noticed is that I think it's so important to integrate what you've learned on the Camino at home. Yeah. You know, I want to go back, and I am going to go back, and I'm already planning <laughs> going back, um, and I and I hope to do so time and time again. But I also hope to not put my happiness in the hands of the Camino, but rather to bring what I have from the Camino home, and to keep orchestrating things here um, as I learn more and more. You know, to make my life at home better and better all the time. I think that's hard for some people, you know, because it is hard to move through fear <laughs> and make changes. <laughs> yeah, 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 it is. But you mentioned earlier about self-love. Mm -hmm. And I think you also mentioned earlier fear. And mm -hmm. we are clearly fearful of 
loving ourselves to that extent, aren't we? Absolutely we are. Um, I think that self-love is probably the biggest journey we have as human beings. You know, it's a lot easier to love other people and to sacrifice ourselves for everyone else. Exactly. Um, Yeah. But it's a lot harder to kind of go within and, and give yourself what you need above all else. But the truth is, is that when you do that, when you move through fear and you move in the direction of love, um, you actually have so much more to give other people and so many more ways to empower other people. So to me, self-love is a win-win, but a lot of people have trouble um, maybe being selfish or you know, thinking about themselves first. And, and I would argue that, that self-love is, is the answer to almost everything. <laughs> because when you, when you take care of yourself and you become connected with your spirit, and you have a relationship with the divine, and and you're able to move through those parts of yourself that um, that you have difficulty with, then your love and your compassion and your understanding for other people around you just amplifies. What would you say to someone listening now who's thinking of walking the Camino? Just go. <laughs> it is... <laughs> So don't funny. think about it. Don't think about it. Just go. But but again, that's the moving through fear part. I, I know there's a lot of people out there that want to do it, but are afraid that they can't. You know, they don't think they're going to, you know, figure out the finances or figure out um, how to do it physically or, or whatever else. But, you know, when you when you set your heart with something and when it aligns with your spirit, which I believe doing a journey like the Camino absolutely does, then the universe rushes in to support you. And when you make a decision for something that is so good for your soul, um, things are going to happen to bring it all together. Yeah. And so the first part is saying yes. Yeah, say yes. Is there one word you would use to sum up the entire experience for Angela? Um, Freeing. Ah, good word. Good word. Mm-hmm. And there's another thing I noticed watching your videos, Angela. You're a crier. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> what does that say about you? Um, I think it says that, that I'm not afraid to connect with pain or to connect with joy. Mm. Um, I, le- I learned a long time ago, Spirit told me to step into my pain instead of always trying to run from it, um, that the only way for it to be healed is to step into it and face it and look at it and understand it and learn from it and grow. And and so I don't shy away from things that are difficult. Um, I think that being willing to cry is is showing that you're being willing to be real because you can't make up tears. Yeah. At least I can't. No. I mean, I'm not that good of an actress. <laughs> Some At least of, I can't. Some of the videos, you've big, got this big smile and then you'll wipe away a tear under one of your eyes and you think, gosh, you know, you're going through so much. It's so great to see somebody going through that transformation. And I urge my listeners to, to go onto Angela's Facebook page and, and just click on any of the random days and to go on that little 5, 10, 12-minute journey because you, you really see the Camino for what it is. 
um, through the eyes of somebody who's living it and is happy to share it. But just before I, I let you go, Angela, I read on your website that you had a life-changing experience as a small girl. You dived to the bottom of a pool and realized you'd run out of air, but somehow managed to breathe anyway. You knew then you were destined for a different life. So if you could whisper something into the ear of that little girl, what would it be? Oh, what a wonderful question. Boy, this I don't know if this would make sense, but I would tell her to pray, to just talk with God every moment. Because for me, um, my life is so much more magical and incredible when I am in communion with the divine. And my ability to speak with spirit, channel spirit, um, it answers everything. You know, there's nothing insurmountable when I have that. Mm. And I spent a lot of my life resisting it. And so I think I would just tell her to keep talking, keep communicating. And listening. Yeah, and listening. I've thoroughly enjoyed talking to you. Angela, thank you so much for caring and sharing. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And I, I'm, I'm thrilled that I was able to speak with you too. Yeah, I, I hope our paths cross again, perhaps on the Camino de Santiago. <laughs> that would be wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations <laughs> on your journey in spirit and in life and indeed on the Camino because it wasn't an easy journey for you. But through you trying that little bit harder, you've been able to provide us with a little bit of insight and perhaps it will make other people's journeys just that little bit easier. So thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. Buen Camino. Buen Camino. (laughs) My guest this week, the U.S. Pilgrim, intuitive guide and spiritual teacher, Angela Morelli Carpenter. You can find Angela on Facebook and via her website, AngelaMorelliCarpenter.com. Thank you for your company this week and every week. If you know a pilgrim, someone you know has walked the Camino or is thinking of walking, suggest the podcast to them. Norman McEwen, who I can't find much about, to be honest, said, happiness is not so much in having as sharing. We make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. I've said here many times, pilgrims are carers and sharers. I'm so grateful for your encouragement, support, and suggestions, especially a regular correspondent, Tom Northens Cole, who suggested I interview Angela. And you're right, Tom, Angela's a beautiful soul. And I love to quote, those things you desire but are too scared to reach for, that's your spirit trying to guide your soul. Search on pilgrims. <laughs> Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins, Buen Camino. <laughs>